Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Across the Cemetery. So I know that I promised that I was going to be leading the episode this week, but then we realised it's all lies. Then we realised that it's on um, it's Friday the thirteenth. So we want to do a Friday the thirteenth themed one, and Josh was more prepared than I was. Um, also, we almost nearly had the same stories. So. <laughs> Yeah, and we just flapped it sort of towards the end because I wrote my script for it first because we've both got stories for it. And it turned out Emma was researching the same thing even though she said to me, I will tell you what I'm going to research so we don't do the same thing. <laughs> but she ends up doing it anyway. So, like Emma said, we are going to be going over Friday the 13th today and obviously it's, a, it's quite a cool classic film um, but I've got some history behind the date as to why it potentially is more unlucky than maybe first believed. So, hacking its way into popular culture, pun very much intended. (laughs) Yes. The Friday the 13th films were created as a cheap thriller with violence as the main ingredient. Despite the reliance on gore and many critics damning the film, the audiences loved it. This can be seen from the sheer amount of films they made, not mentioning the spin-off TV series and video games that followed. Although the date itself is not feared solely because of the franchise, which saw a hockey mask attacker wreaking havoc. In fact, Friday the 13th has a much more historic basis. We find ourselves in 14th century France. The Order of the Templar are raising in popularity, but also suspicions arising as they amass wealth and also begin to represent a state within a state due to their activities. So the Order of the Templar are like the knights. Knights of the Templar. The King of France at the time saw an opportunity not only to cease the existence of the Order, but to also gain the riches that the Order of the Templar had worked so hard to amass and use them in an aid, and basically aid them in the wars he was waging. So, interestingly, one of the things I came across about the Order of the Templar, little side note, they apparently... Loki! Scratching the footstool. (laughs) He's answering back now. (laughs) If you hear him in the background, he's got a, well, a few new toys following Christmas. <laughs> and he loves them all so, so much. Phoebe doesn't. <laughs> Not as much. Anyway, the Order of the Templar, they apparently created the Czech. So they have branches all over Europe and, like, going into Asia. Yeah. Because they, like, they were based around Christianity, I believe. So they had so they did made pilgrimages and stuff like that. So apparently you could get a check from France, take it to somewhere else in the world where they had one of their branches and cash it in. So they made the first checks. Supposedly. That was from a YouTube video. Also, I've got a bit of a cold, so sorry if I sound really bunged up and horrible. Yeah, Josh is actually sick for a change. It's not man flu. It's not me. <laughs> the arrest of the Order of the Templar was made. The charges were that of renouncing Christ. Acts of homosexuality, very middle ages, and worshipping Satan. They were put on trial for a whopping seven years, tortured into giving a full confession to the charges that were brought against them. Eventually, a forced confession was given. However, when they stood in front of the ju- those judging their fates, the Order of the Templar revoked everything they had confessed and demanded a fair trial, exhibiting their mutilated bodies for the public to see. Rousing the spirits of the public, many volunteers turned up to represent the order in their apparent fair trial, but it transpired that most, if not all, of the attorneys quit their post after threats of violence and concern that they would meet the same fate 
as those in the order. 1314, the year, sees the end of the trial. The Grand Master of the Order of the Order is brought to the stake, and all charges against him are allegedly announced as to be true. Now this is a French name, and I apologize. <laughs> Jacques de Molay, the Grand Master of the Order, demands in his final moments that he is given a fair trial before God. This wish is not granted, and his demise edges closer. In Demolay's final moments, he utters that his two prosecutors will both die within one year, which transpired to be true, and was from then on known as the case of Jacques Demolay. More poignantly for us, based on the fact that the nature of the trial and the fact it was corrupt and unjust makes it deemed by others to be unlucky, basically. Okay. And essentially... The trial started on Friday the 13th. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Further to this, there are other superstitions that Friday the 13th is a supposedly fearful day. One of those leads us to the Bible, where 13 is considered unlucky as there were 13 guests at the Last Supper, Jesus and his 12 disciples. Although there are plenty of examples of events that happened on Friday the 13th, namely Tupac died on Friday the 13th, September 1986, after being shot a week earlier. (laughs) Nothing appears to be concrete evidence as to why this date sticks in our folklore. Despite this, the unfortunate events keep occurring, and what we have for you today is just a small selection of those to show you how lucky and creepy Friday the 13th truly is. In this episode, we've got a few small stories. I'm going to do two, and I know Emma's got two or three to go through. Um, So I will start. This one I found on Reddit by user Saki Detector. I'll put the link in the description for this of the episode uh, and there's a trigger warning with this story for deceased animals so if it isn't for you skip ahead around five minutes when I was younger my parents would always arrange play dates for me because I wasn't exactly the most social of kids and didn't really have many friends I mean back then I'd feel annoyed with them when they did this I didn't mind sitting in my room tipping my plastic crate of Star Wars to Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Of Star Wars toys upside down and acting out stories with the most acrobatic lightsaber battles you ever saw. <laughs> I suppose doing this all the time by myself was slightly weird, and being an only child, I'd be lying if I told you there wasn't times I wish somebody else could be there, if only so that the space battles and ground duels could happen simultaneously. My problem was that unless I knew you, I wasn't likely to interact with you, which was quite the dilemma for my young mind. So in retrospect, it was probably a good thing that I was forced to sit in the bedrooms of a variety of different kids, awkwardly agreeing to whatever they wanted to do while I sweated over their opinion of me. I would have been more grateful for it now if it hadn't been for that one Friday the 13th. My parents wanted to go out for dinner, so I was pulled off on a couple of new friends of theirs for the night and they had a child who was of a similar age to me. I did my usual tantrums and begging, but with less enthusiasm compared to those first few times. I knew the drill at this point, they weren't going to change their mind. When I got there, he was in the middle of having a bath, so his parents told me I could just go to his room and play with his toys. This ended up with me sitting on a chair, arms folded, and bored in his room because my social awkwardness wouldn't dare let me touch someone, some other kid's toys without asking. 
I stuck to a strict look, but do not touch policy. The temptation was high when I saw Stretch Armstrong sitting on his desk. That was the latest fad of the time, and it looked amazing in all those commercials that would play on Cartoon Network. I just wanted to see if it really could stretch for miles. At this point, I heard someone running towards the room. I turned to the door, and a kid, younger than I am, appeared. He said hello, and was all excitable and friendly. He told me his big brother was taking a bath, and asked if I wanted to see something. This kind of put me at ease, being there to be honest. I love kids that didn't really care what I had to say, and they could just talk and talk. I agreed to see whatever it was that he wanted to show me, and follows them. He took me through to the kitchen, and there was a door that he opened which led to a basement. He walked halfway down the stairs and just stood still, pointing at something. Something that was in the corner of the room. I climbed down to where he was and tried to get a better look. I asked him what it was, but he just kept pointing and ushering me over to it. I thought it was some dumb game he was playing or something, so I went right down to the stairs and approached him. As I got closer, all I could see was some sort of scrumpled up brown paper bag. It looked like it was quite soggy. There was a nearby rake, so I picked that up and prodded it before I decided to open it up. When I opened it, I almost threw up right there on the spot. The stench was so fucking horrendous, and I can still remember the smell even now. It was just this cat. It was dead, but obviously not for long. I began to dry heaving. After I noticed it, right arm bone was popped out though. I remember the little brother just laughing at me, and then running away. I went straight back up to the bedroom afterwards and saw that my playdate was in there at that point. I couldn't think of anything to say to the kid and I felt quite nervous so I blurted out the story of this dead cat his brother had just shown me. I remember telling him the story and he just gave me this look. It was a look like I was some sort of crazy person. He was nodding along but his face was screwing up more and more as I told him the story. Once I had finished the full story, he just sort of froze for a second and looked confused and shit. Then he turned to me, it's something I'll never forget till the day I die. He just said, I don't have a brother. My parents never took me for a playdate again after that, and to this day, whenever I bring it up, they swear it must be my imagination or something and I remember it wrong. It became a sort of tradition of mine to question them on this date because it reminds me of the strange little boy. We moved away from that town a few years later, and it's been 15 years since, and I still don't really know what the fuck happened, but I swear that kid was really there. 100% a ghost. 100%. Or... A demon? I was gonna say like a little creepy kid who killed Bridget and killed Also, even if it was a ghost, and they were just like, playing a trick or whatever, why the fuck is there a dead cat in the Why have you bag? killed a cat? Well, maybe it was like, hit by a car or something. Maybe they really kill it. Maybe one of the parents hit it by the car. They found a stake in Yeah, on the drive or something. Yeah. Maybe they tried to hide it from the kid. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I think it was a ghost. Or maybe that boy didn't want to play with the new boy. Like, the boy whose parents were babysitting. So, so he, like, got in on it with his brother and was, like, pretend that, you know, like, pretend... Pretend you, you see I'll, things. Yeah, and I'll pretend that you're not mine. And my parents won't want your parents to bring you around anymore. Yeah. Win win. <laughs> Moving on to something that is, I'm not saying the other story isn't real, <laughs> but this is true. This is real life. 
So it isn't a ghost story, but it's it's a true crime story. Yeah. So this is the tale of Kitty Genovese. Born in Brooklyn, New York in 1935, Kitty was the oldest of five children to parents Vincent and Rachel Genovese. It is thought that Kitty excelled in school, and when graduating, she left to work as a secretary at an insurance company along with working nights as a bartender in a bar in Hollis, Queens. Rising through the ranks, Kitty went from being a bartender to managing the bar. This prompted her to move from Brooklyn to Queens to cut down on commute times. Kitty found an apartment in Kew Gardens, Queens, with her girlfriend, Marianne Zilonko. Apologies. <laughs> the rest of Kitty's family had moved to Connecticut at this point, after Kitty's mother had witnessed a murder in New York and was fearful for the family's safety. Oh, this didn't deter Kitty, however, and the new apartment she had found was considered to be in a nice neighbourhood and generally a safe area to live in. Sadly, it was while living here that Kitty Genovese met her untimely demise at the hands of another. While walking home from work at around 2.30am on the morning of Friday the 13th of March 1964, Kitty was confronted by a man with a knife. Noticing the danger, Kitty ran towards the door of her apartment building, screaming and causing a commotion in the attempt to alert neighbours and get help. It was at this point that a vigilant neighbour, one Robert Moser, noticed the attack out of his window and shouted down for the attacker to leave the girl alone. This stern message caused the attacker to turn and flee, giving Kitty some respite that the ordeal was over, for now. The attacker had managed to injure Kitty, so much so that she could barely walk and her approach to the apartment building had been demoted to a crawl. Around 10 minutes later, and with a reinvigorated sense of purpose, the perpetrator returned, stealing Kitty's money, stabbing her, and committing other hideous crimes that I won't mention in this story. It was only after a neighbour happened to come across the barely living mass that was Kitty's body did any intervention from the emergency services occur. The neighbour screamed relentlessly until somebody called the police and an ambulance, but at this point it was too late. Catherine Susan Kitty Genovese passed away in the ambulance on the way to her hospital of her injuries. The man responsible for the murder, namely one Winston Mosley, was later convicted but only after being caught for the crime of robbing electrical appliances. Supposedly it was because the car that give, it was his car that gave him away. The witnesses reported seeing a white car at the scene of Kitty's murder and it was a white car being used in the robberies. However, it's reported that when the murder happened, the police went to, Kitty, to interview Kitty's partner Mary. The theme of the conversation seemed to focus more on the couple's homosexual relationship rather than the tragic events that had unfolded. Bearing in mind this was the 1960s and people were disgusted. Amen. Even the write-up in the New York Times was minimal, showing that little care was given to the senseless loss of life. Following the murder, there was an interesting psychological aspect that was used in an attempt to debunk people's fears of getting involved. One neighbour who witnessed the murder, Carl Ross, initially saw the stabbings and went back inside to his apartment to call a friend to ask what he should do. What? He later called the police after hearing Sophie Ferrara, the lady who found Kitty after the attack, yelling for somebody to do so. In total, there is two neighbours helping the young woman, but it was later reported that a total of 38 neighbours heard the attack and chose not to get involved 
and not to help Kitty Genovese in her final moments. Of course, it would never be a great idea to get in a fight with somebody with a knife. Yeah. But who knows what would have happened if others would have helped. Maybe the police would have been called sooner and maybe Kitty would have lived on. He's just stupid ringing his mate to see what to do. You just ring the police. Yeah, I think that was... That, that's part of, like, the... It does have a name, but it's basically like he, it's his fight or flight and he had no yeah. idea what to do. Um, supposedly, after that murder, there was... Um, that's when 911 started happening. Uh, the, the telephone yeah. number. So it became easier to contact the police. Uh, so I wonder, a bit more research, very easy to find, I guess. Yeah. But what was the protocol before? Then was it like yeah. a really big long number to phone them, or was it a well known number? That makes, makes sense, because obviously 911 sticks in your head. Like, obviously, we even know that, and we're not from America. Yeah, but like, well, it's been, been a long time since the 1960s, I yeah. think. Media, films, TV series, that yeah, sort of stuff. They've got that to like, stick in your head, obviously. Yeah. So, what we're going to do now is. I'm going to hand over the reins, and unbelievably, Emma is going to speak with some stories. <gasps> yeah, but mine are like big, big stories, because I was going to talk about Kitty as well. <laughs> well, she's waving her hands at me in a really sarcastic, sassy way, but she told me she was going to tell me who she was researching, because I'd already done my research. I know. And she never. So, here's Emma's stories. Okay. So... Touching on briefly what you touched on before with the Last Supper and the 13. Oh, yeah. Um, well, this is a similar one. Okay. Um, it's in, in North mythology. Norse mythology. Yeah, Norse. Norse. Um, so, 12 gods were having a feast in Valhalla. Yeah. And the mischievous Loki. Yeah, you little bastard who's currently sat on the couch watching his sister eat food in an attempt to chase after her when she starts walking back to where she usually sits. So, yeah. Yeah, you. Loki is the god of mischief, and our Loki is... is the god of mischief. Yeah. Well, um, so, he crashed the party in Valhalla, and he was the uninvited 13th guest. Oh, right, okay. Um, and... Even though, like, as he was the uninvited 13th guest, he arranged for the Hod, which was the blind god of darkness, to shoot Baldora, or Baldor, who was the god of joy and gladness. Oh, so it's not very nice. So, um, after this, he was, he was killed, and the, and the earth plunged into darkness as, a, as mourning, like, in mourning of the death of the god of darkness, uh, god of happiness and joy and then this is similar because it's in Norse mythology as well okay Um, so Freya the Norse goddess of marriage clairvoyance and motherhood and prophecy she's called Freya obviously but Freya translates to Friday okay and in a similar in a similar sense Freya was supposed to have been, been banished to the mountains as a witch. So Friday became known as this as the Sabbath. This isn't really that unlucky, but the witches of the north would observe their Sabbath by gathering in the woods by the light of the moon. 
on one such occasion, the Friday goddess, which is Freya, came down from her sanctuary where she had been um, banished yeah. in the mountaintops. And then this, the witches, there was normally 12 at a time, but Freya appeared and was the 13th witch. Okay. So it's not bad luck, but that's kind of, that's where in Norse mythology it said it came from, because Freya translates to Friday. And she was the 13th, and the 13th witch. witch. Yeah. Okay. And then, but she was also banished for sort of wrongdoings. So, yeah, I think she was banished for wrongdoings. There's a lot of like different stories. Like, there was just one story where she got mixed up to choose the goddess of love, goddess of love, but then she broke up with her boyfriend. <laughs> so she was banished. Um, it's also because she was a witch and like the goddess of clairvoyance as well. Um, yeah, it is quite interesting. The Greek god. Norse gods, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it could, like you say, it's not exactly a completely negative thing, but it's it's got a history. Yeah. Obviously, that's thousands of years old. Yeah. And it translates to Friday the 13th. Would you? Because it's like mythological, really, isn't it? Like, we can't prove it's real. That's another subject. (laughs) Because we also went to the Bible. (laughs) Moving on swiftly. Yeah. So, this one. So, this one isn't really a horror story or a true crime story but on Friday the 13th in October on Friday the 13th of October 1972 two major plane crashes occurred one was a large plane which was carrying a Ugandarian rugby team and the other was a larger plane flying from Paris to Moscow the death toll for both both crashes was more than 200 so the plane that was travelling to Moscow resulted in the death of everyone aboard, um, but 28 people survived the initial plane crash in Andreas. Is that how you say it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so it was, um, yeah, it was going to Andreas, but they truly had to survive. So it was basically they had to fight for their survival. Oh, right, okay. Um, so the plane went down on the 13th of October. But the sole 16 was survivors were rescued 72 days after the crash. Right. So to endure the harsh climate of the mountains where the plane crashed, they had to basically fight, I'm not just said, fight for the survival. So this included turning to cannibalism and eating the bodies of their dead teammates. Wow. And I could probably go on to that more, but I think that would be like a history lesson because it's been told in a book. Um, but also, I don't know if anyone's seen it, it reminded me of the programme Yellow Jackets. <laughs> so, yeah, and that was a little short story about the plane crash. The next story that I have... What year was that in? Did you say? Yeah, 13th of October, 1972. Okay. Um, yeah, so the next story that I have... I know you're going to roll your eyes, and it's not really a story, but you can't mention 13 without mentioning Taylor Swift. Oh, can you not? Yeah. So, Taylor Swift considers the number 13 to be her favourite number, and when, when I used to watch her, like, I used to watch her tour videos and stuff, she used to write 13 on her hand as a good luck thing, and she was born on... She was born on the 13th of December and she turned 13 on the Friday, 13th of December. 
Oh, look, look, look. It's my birthday filler on, 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 on the 13th. On a Friday. Taylor Swift, just anything. Okay. So. Was that it? Yeah, I could go on to more about Taylor Swift. As I've said, I need my own Taylor Swift podcast. But yeah. Look, there's just a few small stories of what's occurred on Friday the 13th and why Friday the 13th may be considered an unlucky or a spooky date. Has anything ever happened to you on Friday the 13th that you can recall? I'm trying to think. I remember like when I was in primary school, I always used to take it. I remember when I was in primary school, I always used to put a crystal in my pocket on Friday the 13th. Well, that's because you were just a fucking meth dealer. <laughs> At 11. <laughs> um, but nothing's ever happened to me. Like, I always think, oh, something's going to happen today. Something like. But I just. I don't have bad luck anyway. I, I'm not like this amazing lucky person, but I don't really suffer from bad luck. I have stuff like. I'm not really that superstitious, like I'll walk over grids, like you always tell me not to walk over the free grids. Because that's just ridiculous, why would you do that? I'll walk under a ladder, I'm not really that That's just silly, that's, I don't think that's bad luck, I think people just started saying that was bad luck because if someone fell on you, it hit you on the head. Yeah, I'll cross the, on the stairs, don't they say it's bad luck to cross on the stairs? You can't choose not to do that in some places, yeah. depending on where you are. I don't think black caps are unlucky. Oh, you've got two. <laughs> They're black and white. Yeah. So I'm like I'm not superstitious. I I don't I don't think Friday the Thirteenth's a bad thing really, but I do like like on Friday the Thirteenth we always watch a Friday the Thirteenth film or something like that. So I do like it. I want I don't want bad luck. That sounds stupid, but I like the fact that there's like a superstition. Yeah, it's like a mini Halloween. Yeah, it's like Halloween pregame. <laughs> it's just you don't know where it's gonna fall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, personally, I don't think Friday the 13th has any real significance. Has anything happened to you on Friday the 13th? Apart from saying to a client in the day when I booked them for a meeting, Ooh, Friday the 13th, <laughs> yeah. you went, oh no, not Friday the 13th. That that's was about it. That's it. it. Um, aside from that, I think, because a lot of people think 13th are an unlucky number, as we've touched on, there's, yeah. there's uh, Freya, the Norse god, there's uh, Loki, there's... Judas, mm-hmm. who is also late to the party. Yeah. There's some very, yeah. very, very close similarities in those stories. Let's not say religion's bad. We're not saying religion's bad, we're just not saying it's lucky. <laughs> uh, or true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone's got a right to believe what they want to believe. I just don't. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I think it's just one of the things, especially nowadays, because of the films. Yeah. It's it's when it's, it's again it really just missiles it into uh, mainstream popularity. Yeah. So people think that it's a it's a unlucky day, it's a spooky day, something bad's gonna happen. So you go into that mindset thinking something bad's gonna happen. Like, oh god, it's Friday the thirteenth. You might miss your train and you'll be like, Oh, it's because it's Friday the thirteenth, but you might have missed Fuck's sake, Jason. <laughs> But you might have missed your train because there's like something otherworldly is telling you that if you got on that train it would be bad luck. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, th- I think a lot, a lot of things like that happen. 
if you, you miss a train, it's for a reason. Yeah. If you leave late for work, it's probably for a yeah, reason. Yeah, because a fella could have been on, like, a car could have swerved or something yeah. on the road. But then I've also got the theory that, that this is completely off topic, <laughs> that you don't know when you die. So, for example, when you've had a moment in life where it's been quite close and you think, oh, fucking hell, if that happens, it, like if you miss a step on the stairs or something. Yeah, or, or you're in the car and you nearly get a crash yeah, or yeah. something like that. I think that potentially it is possible you may have died in a, that thing, but you don't know that, so your life carries on. Yeah. But then the pitfall to that argument is what happens when you get old. So I think, you know, when you're going to die, I think, I was reading about this the other day, actually. You, apparently, these people... Before they die, they get like this funny feeling, even if they're younger or older. Yeah. And they just like get this dread, and then they've died. Yeah, I wonder why it's dread though, because apparently it's like uh, I say, people coming to deaths a lot of the time seem to be in elation, whether that's that re- they know they're going to be relieved yeah. of pain or whatever it might be. There's nothing you can do, is there? So. Yes. Yeah, it's true. But I wonder why it's a dread feeling, maybe because it's still known. Yeah, I think that's why. That's like one of the things I would like to know most if I could. What is the afterlife? So yeah. I think I think if we all knew what the afterlife was like, we wouldn't. We'd be, have a podcast. Yeah, exactly. But we wouldn't be that upset about people dying because we'd be like, oh, they've gone to a better place. But like, actually, mean it. Like you don't just. Yeah, that. you say it out just as a compliment. Yeah. Getting back onto track, Friday the 13th. <laughs> um, yeah, other than it being thrust upon us by mainstream media. I do like, I do like him, um, I do like Jason's films. But saying that, I think I categorise them, right? Just don't interrupt me, just hear what I'm going to say. <laughs> I categorise them like I categorise Fast and Furious mm-hmm. because it's fucking stupid. No, it's not. But it's easy to watch. And it is. You're absolutely wrong. It's like the Saw films. The Saw films are absolutely fucking ridiculous. There's no need to them whatsoever. Oh. But people go back to them because Familiar. maybe they're not easy to watch. But it's just like that feed of intense gore and violence, yeah. which when the Friday the 13th films were released, were criticised for the intense gore and mm-hmm. violence. I think it's what I've done this similar films to these. You know what's gonna happen, like, so you know it's gonna start. They're gonna go to like a camp, or like, they're gonna go, they're gonna have a party. Gonna, something's gonna happen. Yeah. You know that the this man's gonna come. You know some people are gonna die, but you know that there's always gonna be like this final person. Yeah. So I think that we just like the fact that it's like inevitable, like not inevitable, but like we know we it's familiar. Well, in fairness, I think Friday's Thirteen films are be describing them as inevitable is a great way to describe them yeah. because they just keep fucking coming back <laughs> like Fast and Furious. <laughs> so, I think that's a great area to end on. Yeah, we pretty much solved it. Um, Emma was a meth dealer when she was eleven. <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth is only scary because the media has thrust its self upon us. Josh gets phone calls from couches. I get phone calls from couches. Loki went to the dinner when he wasn't invited. And then made a blind person kill a happy person. And now we have a cat named Loki. So swings around the box. <laughs> um, 
if anything bad has ever happened to you or paranormal or scary has ever happened to you on Friday the 13th... Or something good. Or something good. Let us know. We'd probably prefer the, the horror. No, I want them all. <laughs> and I'll read them out next Friday the 13th. Dun, dun, dun. Whatever that may be. Probably should check that, but I'm not going to. Just to keep it suspenseful. Thank you for listening. Um, we went on a little ramble, but I think that's nice. You got to know our thoughts with us. Oh, yeah, and the Friday the 13th films are just like Fast and Furious. And we're going to watch one tomorrow, though. <laughs> no, Friday. <laughs> You've given away that we're not recording this on Friday the 13th. Are we not? No. <laughs> it's Wednesday the 11th. <gasps> Shocker. Um, so you can find us on... Monsters. You can find us on Twitter at AX The Cemetery. You can find us on TikTok at AX The Cemetery. You can email us across the cemetery at gmail.com. It would also be very um, very appreciated if you emailed us stories, like horror stories, because that would be good. We would like to do a reader, not not reader, we would like to do a listener episode one day. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really happy that you've included the email, but I'm, you missed out the social I'm media. Just <laughs> and we, you can find us on Instagram at across the cemetery, and we don't have Facebook. Oh, we probably never will. I don't really know why. We just didn't set one up. And so, no, now we say it every time. <laughs> so that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And I, apo- fr- I apologise for my horrible nasal voice. And I wish you a happy Friday the 13th. And I hope Jason doesn't get you. And if he does, email us about it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>